Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, Brave Church. Today, we're starting a new talk series looking at one of the most important and exciting topics there is, faith. Our text for this entire series is Hebrews 11 uh, because it's a passage that many consider to be the most foundational place to go in the entire Bible if we want to learn about faith. Uh, This passage answers all kinds of questions like what is faith? What's it made of? How do we know if we have it? How do you lose it? Uh, If you lost it, how do you get it back? How does it grow? How does it shrink? And so the title of this series is Build with Faith. And today we're going to kick things off with an overview talk looking at the foundations of faith because our lives are built on faith. Even if you're not a Christian, whether you realize it or not, we're all building with some level of faith. I mean, think about it. How do you find the right doctor? How do you choose a spouse? How do you find a mechanic for your car? How do you hire a new key team member? Um, How do you decide if you're going to try a new restaurant? How do you do these things without some level of faith? So one of the fastest ways to see our need for faith is often by looking at our fears. One of my biggest fears is going to the dentist. I wasn't always one of those people. Um, When I was a kid, I was fine. But when I moved to the Bay about eight years ago, uh, I had to find a new dentist. And and I didn't really do any research. No one gave me a referral. I just chose one by my house. It wasn't that I had that much faith. I was just naive. And so uh, I had to go in one day for a filling. And I've always been afraid of needles, I've never liked them, um, but it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. And so this one experience though, I mean, I go in and they numb it, right? They put the gel on, you know, they numb it, they leave the room, we wait a while. Then the doctor comes back in and starts the filling, but this time I could feel everything. And so they stopped, you know, she numbed it again. My, my, my palms are sweaty, I'm super nervous and um, and, and, and so then I'm like, Hey, do you guys have like any music, any, and an iPod or something that I could use to distract myself? And so they gave me this iPod that they had lying around. It was an original iPod, like super old with, you know, the headphones that go over your head. And, uh, the only song on it was don't worry, be happy. <laughs> it was so messed up. It was like abusive, right? So I'm sitting there like 20 times over and over again, listening to don't worry, be happy. And they even ended up having to come in and numb me a third time. It was terrible. And I never went back. And I know what a lot of you moms are probably thinking, right? Like I bet that taught him to brush his teeth. Well, it did, but the story doesn't end there. Okay. So I I did find a new dentist and it's been great, but you know, just this last year, I found out that filling that I had gotten cracked. And so I had to go in and get it replaced. Well, this time, you know, I did my research. I read Yelp reviews. I knew other people that went to this dentist. I was confident that this dentist was going to do a better job. And so, you know, I was still afraid. I couldn't sleep the night before. I even canceled the appointment twice. Like I just came up with 
excuses or reasons that I couldn't go. Um, and, you know, but eventually I knew that I had to face this fear. So I went in and the first question I asked the nurse is like, hey, can you put me to sleep for this? But that wasn't an option. I guess they only do that for major surgery. So I couldn't do that. Then I just leveled with her. I said, you know what? I'm really nervous. And I had a bad experience the last time I got a filling. So what about that gas stuff that makes you happy? Can you do that? And she's like, you mean the stuff that we give kids? And I'm thinking, okay, lady. So, so she goes, we don't have time for that. We, we, we can't do that. We need to know ahead of time to prepare for that. And so I'm sitting there and I'm already starting to sweat. I'm getting nervous. And, you know, the doctor comes in. She'd been briefed on my, my condition. And so she asks how I'm doing. I said, I'm good, but I'm just, I'm just going to put in my AirPods and try not to think about it. And so I put in my AirPods and they were dead. I'm going to be honest. I contemplated walking out. I had a vision of myself doing it. I was ready to bail. But you know what? Another voice inside of me said, have faith. It's going to be okay. And sure enough, this doctor was so much better. She numbed me the first time. It worked great. I didn't didn't need a thing. Before I knew it, it was over. The bottom line is this. We don't always want life to require faith, but eventually it always does. We don't always want life to require faith, but eventually it always does. At some point after all the research and all the thinking, you know, you have to cross your fingers and make a decision and trust. There's nothing we can do that will guarantee the outcome. Life still requires faith. Faith to move forward, faith to make decisions, faith to commit, faith for the future. We build our lives with faith. Maybe you've heard the phrase, you get what you build. I wonder if you're listening to this and you're not happy with what you're building or it feels like something is missing. Some of us don't feel like we have the faith we need. Maybe your ability to trust and make decisions has really been challenged lately. Maybe your faith feels weak. Fortunately for us, the Bible is the best place to learn about faith and to grow in it. Faith was God's idea. God has built faith into the foundations of this world. This life makes more sense and becomes more of what God intended when we learn to build with faith. The truth is life requires faith all the time. We can all benefit from having a stronger, bolder, more resilient faith. Faith isn't just for risk takers and people who seem to be born with this gift. No, it's not even just for followers of Jesus, though I'll argue that Jesus is the very best place that we can put our faith. But wherever you're at today on what you believe in and where you place your faith, we're just so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're tuning in. We're glad that you're with us. You know, faith, it can be a gift, but it's also something that we can all develop. And so that's the journey that we're gonna be on. I hope you'll join us for these next few weeks. So let's begin by reading our passage, Hebrews 11, verses one through seven. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. 
For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he commended the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. If you're taking notes uh, on your phone or on a notepad, you can write this down, but the header uh, of today's talk is three foundations of faith from Hebrews 11. And the first is this. Number one, understand that God is in charge of the universe. Understand that God is in charge of the universe. Look at what it says in verse three. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Um, The physical world that actually, uh, the physical world was actually brought into existence by unphysical, immaterial, supernatural power from God. Um, And so there are two big ideas here. And the first is this word understand. The understand comes from a Greek word that basically has to do with how you're thinking. It's knowing something in your mind. Now, this is reading books. This is talking to qualified people, doing research. And when it comes to following Jesus, your faith journey may have started with some research, like hearing a powerful sermon or reading a book, or watching a movie, or a conversation with a friend. And so the first concept here is to understand something about God. But the second concept is command. Uh, Another way to think of command is who's in charge around here, right? Who has authority? When we understand that God is the creator of the universe, and that he is in charge, it does something foundational to how we see the world. Men don't run the world. Women don't run the world. God runs this world. He is the ruler of this world. See, there are other wills competing with God's, but ultimately his will will be done. What God wills is going to happen. Now, if I believe that, it doesn't mean that he's gonna control everything and take away my free will. He's not a controlling abuser. But until Jesus returns to reconcile this world fully, we will still be at war with evil. This world is not yet exactly what God wants it to be, but it's important to recognize God's authority because in many situations, he's the only one that can help. The smartest thing that we can do is go to God and ask him for help when we need it. God's opinion matters most. God's ways are the best. God's love is the only solution. God is the beginning and the end. Followers of Jesus are people who have come to the logical conclusion that this world doesn't really make sense without God. Without God, this is a pretty hopeless place. So understanding who God is and why he makes sense is a critical starting point to faith. Timothy Keller, he says this, if there is no God, then there's less mathematical chance of organic life just springing out of inorganic life than there is chance that an explosion in a print factory produce the first printed Bible. See, see, Christians are people that can look at all the logic, all the facts, and at the end of the day, say, you know what? It takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe. See, if there's no God, that means everything is an accident. But if everything happened on accident or by chance, 
what's the basis for our moral compass? See, see, unless we're talking about like a sociopath or something, deep down inside, human beings believe that there's a difference between violence and compassion. This world being created without any intention doesn't make sense. See, see, building with faith starts with a foundation that says, I understand that God is in charge of the universe, despite what I cannot see. And so that's the starting point, but it doesn't get us very far without the next key to our foundation. Number two is to get personal with your convictions. Get personal with your convictions. Look at verses one and two. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Um, Notice this phrase in verse one. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And the second half about, it says assurance about what we do not see. Now, I don't mention Greek words a lot when I'm giving talks because it can be kind of distracting or, or make it seem like things are overly hard to understand. But sometimes it's necessary because our English version is a translation that doesn't always convey the root meaning of the text. And so in this case, the exact Greek words could be translated. You know, when you see this phrase, assurance about what we do not see, that could be translated to the conviction of past events. See, building with faith means I am personally convicted to base my future on things that have happened in the past. Things that I know affect me today and affect my future. Things that I'm personally convicted about, like God creating the world or the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's this long list of heroes of the faith that we're gonna look at in the coming weeks as we look at Hebrews 11, and we can learn about how faith works and things that God did in their lives. And that tells us stuff about what we're gonna, how we're gonna base our personal convictions as we build our lives with faith. So building with faith means that we move beyond just having enough evidence. We move beyond what we understand to a place of personal conviction. It's getting to a place where you start considering, if this is true, I feel like some things in my life need to change. When you start to feel a conviction that God wants more for your life or has a better way than yours, that's faith rising up in your heart and personally convicting you. Maybe you've heard the words of the great theologian and rapper, Tupac. He said, only God can judge me. Listen, the truth is God does judge us. He is a judge. He he looks at our ways and he has an opinion, but not for the sake of punishing us or controlling us. God has a judgment on how we live because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. A life built on faith is rooted in godly conviction. It's one of the ways that we find direction. Um, The apostle Paul actually gives us a great example of this when he tells us a story of something that happened in his letter to the Galatians. Um, He tells us that he had an argument with Peter. Okay, one of the apostles, they got into it and Peter and Paul, they were both Jews who trusted in Jesus as the Messiah. And so Jews, you know, they have been taught the law of Moses that Gentiles um, couldn't be pleasing to God because of their practices and the way they ate, the way they handled life, the way they did things. And because of that, they, they lacked the same pedigree as if they were born Jewish. And so if you weren't born a Jew with their ethnicity, you weren't in the club. And there was no way for you to be part of the club. It just didn't happen. You were a Gentile. Gentiles weren't 
the right people, okay? They weren't the chosen ones because, and so all of this meant that they had a completely different way of living, completely different practices, and they just weren't considered clean. And so Jews believed that they weren't pleasing to God. So in Acts 10 and 11, we know God showed Peter something remarkable through a vision. Uh, Peter, you know, he believed in Jesus. And, and so then God brought Peter to Cornelius, a Gentile, to share the good news with him. And this good news, it was the gospel, but it was also a new revelation from God that made a way for them to not have to follow the Mosaic law. And so after Peter shared this good news with Cornelius and his whole family, all of them and even some friends decided to follow Jesus. Next thing you know, the gospel is spreading to the rest of the Gentile world, far beyond being limited to the ethnic group of the Jews. In verse 15, a voice said to Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. In other words, God doesn't invite us to join his family based on our pedigree or by our practice. He welcomes us because of our faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus unites us with his strength. When we trust in Jesus, when we are loyal to him, when we are committed to him, we gain the strength of Jesus in our lives. See, Jesus's pedigree is perfect. He was the son of God. That's a pretty good family to come from. Jesus's practice was perfect. He lived a perfect life and he died an undeserving death to pay for our sins. That's a pretty good practice. And so when you unite with Jesus by faith, not perfect faith, not strong faith, but true faith, God's family becomes our family. And you're as acceptable as if you were from that incredible family. You're in Jesus's family. You gain his practice, his life, his death. Everything he paid for becomes yours. And so when Peter realized that, he started eating with the Gentiles because Mosaic life was no longer a requirement from God. He realized people are not saved by their pedigree or their practice. They're saved by faith when faith unites them to Jesus. But old prejudices die hard. And some people came up to Peter and they said, what are you thinking? Like, why are you eating with these unclean Gentile dogs? Yet they're Christians, but they're still Gentiles. And so this happened and and he stopped eating with them. And then Paul looked at him and he said in Galatians 2, it says, I faced down Simon Peter because his behavior was not in line with the gospel. One of the sad realities of this season has been seeing so many Christians act and behave with their words and their actions online and in person in ways that don't reflect the heart of the gospel. A great apostle made a mistake. Another great apostle confronted him. We, we know this. It's, it's right there in scripture. Our community of faith is exclusive enough to stand for one way and one truth, but it's also expansive enough that everyone doesn't always have to get it right. And they're, and they're not kicked out of the family. And so I say this with grace, all that's been revealed in this season, all the, you know, the tension within the church and outside of the church. And the church has really been on public display in so many ways. And, you know, I wonder, I wonder if your family's perfect, right? Probably not. Okay. No, no matter how healthy your family is, it's not perfect. There's, there's going to be mistakes and, and that's not an excuse for behavior. But the point is, is there's going to be times like the apostle Paul, where we've got to confront when someone's walk or words are not in line with the gospel? Will we follow our gospel-centered personal convictions and speak up 
when we see someone withholding grace. Personal conviction says this. To be accepted into God's family, practice doesn't save me. Pedigree doesn't save me. Only faith can save me. Building with faith produces personal conviction. Lastly, number three, let holy fear strengthen your faith. Let holy fear strengthen your faith. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Let's be honest. Sometimes when we need faith, it's not the most comfortable experience. It can be scary. It can be inconvenient. It can really mess with our year. In Noah's case, it was the end of the world as he knew it. Everything would change. And he had to decide, would my fear win or would I be brave and have faith in God? See, a faith that is strengthened by God is a faith that recognizes how great he is, how much greater he is than our fears. Notice, though, it says Noah had a holy fear, a holy fear. Um, You might think, why should I be afraid of God? You know, I thought love casts out all fear. Uh, If God loves me so much, then why should I ever be afraid of him? Well, fear of God isn't about him being scary, okay? It's, It's a fear of the punishment that comes after persistent rebellion. We should have a healthy fear of God simply because of who he is. Because when he says something is gonna happen, it happens. See, Proverbs talks about this when it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. This means the things we used to fear aren't nearly as important as fearing God. Because remember, he's in charge. If you understand that God is in charge of the universe, then what more should you be afraid of? I mean, God or who's president? God or your boss? God or pleasing people? God or doing that thing you're afraid that he's asked you to do? See, when we fear God, we're filled with faith because nothing is more powerful than God. He's bigger than our government. He's bigger than our politics. He's bigger than our prejudices. He's bigger than the fingers that we point. And he's bigger than our greatest fears. My wife, Marcy, was stretched this last year through some really difficult situations. And I asked her to share because I think it'll inspire us as we pursue God and grow our faith. This past year has been a season of me really needing to lean on God's sovereignty. In the middle of last year, I was diagnosed with alopecia. I started noticing quite a few bald spots on my head and I didn't think anything of it because I was a few months postpartum and thought it was regular hair loss. It wasn't until I showed a picture to a friend of one of the spots and she suggested I see a doctor. It was then that the doctor told me I had alopecia. I have three girlfriends who have alopecia and two of them are completely bald. So naturally, I got really scared that I may lose all of my hair. Then, in the beginning of this year, I went in for my 20-week ultrasound for our third little girl. And during that ultrasound, they found two cysts had grown on my left ovary, which is my only functioning ovary. The doctor let me know after looking at the ultrasound that I would be needing surgery and possibly during pregnancy because the cysts could be leaking toxins to the baby. I go back three weeks later, the baby is fine, and the doctor decides it's okay to wait until after the baby is born to have surgery. Now here's the other part of this. Samuel and I 
would love to have just one more baby, but they may have to take out my ovary because the cysts are so big. The doctor said there's no way to know for sure if they're able to save enough ovary for it to function. There are so many unknowns with both of these health conditions. Will I lose all my hair? Will I lose my left ovary? Will I have to start looking for wigs? Will the decision be made for us to stop having kids? This is where my fear and anxiety like to come in and start taking over my thoughts and emotions. But we have a God who loves us, who gives us hope, peace, and strength. I was reminded that God is in control, and if I truly place my trust in Him, that I will have peace that doesn't reflect my situation. A supernatural peace that you can only get from our Creator. I still have fears of the unknown, but I also have a holy fear, a reverence for God that helps me focus on my faith. If you're going through a trying season and there are things robbing you of your peace, turn to God and recognize His strength and His power. Let it fill you with the faith you need to move forward. One of the things that really stands out to me from Marcy's story and from our journey is that it's not just about whether or not you have faith. It's where you choose to place it. Will you place your faith in God? The the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian isn't whether or not you have faith, but where you put the faith you have. It's the foundation of what you're building your life on. Right now, anxiety levels are at a record high. Fear is a dominant emotion for many. 63% of those under 40 years old say they're lonely. America isn't building with faith. It's building with fear. And that needs to change. But it starts with us. Will we build with faith in God? Building with faith means we understand who's in charge of the universe. We have personal convictions and we have a holy fear of God. Would you pray with me? God, I pray for everyone that is listening and watching right now. God, I pray that this week and through this season, that as we turn to you, as we look at our fears and as we face them down and say, you know what, my God is greater than those fears. God, I pray that we would have more holy fear of life without you than a life that tries to conquer those fears on our own. God, I pray, I pray against anxiety. God, I pray against any fear that is paralyzing or crippling someone right now from making decisions that they know they need to make. God, I pray against anxiety. God, I pray against worry. God, I pray against all of the things that have us stuck right now. God, I pray that you would fill us with the faith we can only find in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.